When it was evening, the disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages by themselves, and buy themselves food. Now notice here that the disciples were saying, Hey, we're about done here, Jesus. And Jesus is thinking, Well, I'm just ready to get started. Be careful that you don't dismiss what Jesus wants to do because you're ready to go home. Jesus said unto them, they need not depart. Give them something to eat. They said unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them hither to me. Bring them to me. He commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. Came into Jesus' hands. He blessed it. He broke it. He passed it back out to the disciples and through the disciples to the crowd. They did all eat and were filled and they took up the fragments that remained, 12 baskets full. They had eaten and were, uh, they that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Uh, you do the math, it's probably fifteen to 20,000 people. Straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Three people are moving here. Jesus is sending his disciples into the sea before him, which means he intended to come after them. He sends the crowd home, and he goes to the mountain to pray. He was alone there in the evening praying, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea. Everyone say, in the middle of the sea. Tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. So they're troubled by the storm, and now they're troubled by what they don't understand. Saying, it is a spirit, they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be you, bid me come to thee on the water. He said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased, and they that were in the ship, came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. I want to talk to you about three revelations in your storm. Three revelations in your storm. Could we just pray and ask God to speak to us today? In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, that your spirit is in this house to minister, to encourage God, and to give direction. 
God, we thank you for your miraculous provision in all of our lives. But many times we forget, Lord, what you've done as soon as you're done with it. But Lord, let the memory of your miraculous provision and your ability to do, amen, miracles. Amen. Let us remember, God, that your hand is not short, that you cannot save, and your ear is not heavy, that you cannot hear, Lord. I pray, God, that every person in this house today would be encouraged by your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. They had just witnessed the miraculous, the miraculous power and provision of God. He fed 15 to 20,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. I'm not talking about, you know, the Texas toast thick slice. They were just little barley loaves. That would not be enough food to feed and satisfy most of the families here today, let alone all of us. If you sat down today and you had two fish and five pieces of bread on the table, you'd be like looking at each other. (laughs) Who's going first? Just to paint a little picture here, uh, one acre of ground has about 43,000 square feet. This property is 52 acres. And uh, that would be about 2,265,000 square feet divided by 20,000 people. That would be 115 square feet per person or about a 10 by 10 block. So we could fit 20,000 people on this property and each of us would have a 10 by 10 square. Isn't that amazing? Um, I don't believe they had this much room, but I just wanted to give that to us as a little picture to see that this miracle took place on, I would say, no less than 25 acres because that would be a 5 by 5 spot. And Jesus was teaching them throughout the day. And imagine seeing this happen. Imagine seeing half of this property populated with 20,000 people. And Jesus says, hey, what do we have to feed them? Five loaves and two fish. It's enough. Tell them to sit down. And after this amazing miracle, they actually got to participate in the miracle Isn't it amazing that God lets us participate in the miracles? The next time we want to complain about what's not right, just say, I'm going to turn this. And instead of complaining about what I don't have and what I don't have going right, I'm going to start thanking God that he's letting me participate and see the miracle for myself. If you never had a problem, how would you know that God could solve them? If you never was a little bit shy, how would you know that God was the one that made it up for you? If you never had a sickness that made the doctor say, we're not sure what's going on, but only to see God come through and put you back up on your feet again and carry on about your life. Amen. God is a good God. He's let us participate in many miracles and After this amazing miracle that they participated in, Jesus tells them to get into the ship. 
go ahead to the other side. And uh, I'm going to take care of things here, but you guys get a head start. After he sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening came, he was there alone. And uh, there's a great lesson here that Jesus went up to pray. And it's amazing because uh, prayer will always require effort. He went up to pray. He went to an elevated place to pray. No one exempt from getting alone with God. There is no power without private prayer. There's no place for the miraculous to operate in our lives without a place of prayer first. And Jesus went alone to, to be alone and to, to pray and subject his flesh again to the will of the Spirit. And while Jesus is alone in prayer, amen, it's like you can shift the scene to the middle of the sea and you see these uh, disciples out there alone in the ship. And uh, everyone say alone. They were alone in the ship, and, uh, and uh, they were in the middle of the sea. They were tossed with waves, and the Bible says the wind was contrary. Amen. And matter of fact, it was blowing so hard that their ship was filling up with water. I know this is not a new story for us, but it's something we need to understand because there's revelation in this situation. Praise God. They were too far into it to turn around. But not close enough to feel confident they could make it. Have you ever been in a situation where you were too committed, too far into it, the thought of going back looked too daunting, but yet you were in a conundrum because uh, it was just as far to get to the other side. And you said, I've come this far, but it's looking like it's going to take me twice as much effort to make it to the other side. I don't know what to do. I'm kind of just being confused by this storm and this situation. And they were stuck in the storm. And Jesus allowed them to get into the storm. And he not only allowed it, but he sent them into it. Hey, you guys, go ahead. I'll catch up later. How could the Lord allow and do such a thing? You might ask the question, how in the world, Lord, do I find myself in this situation I, I'm in today? I feel like you're uh, allowing me to be stuck in a storm and you're allowing me to be in some situations that are boisterous and and the winds are blowing and, and the waves are high and it seems like the harder I row, the, the slower I go. I feel like Jesus is nowhere to be found. He's back safe on the land and you're out in the middle of a storm and it's not getting any better. It's getting dark and it's getting darker and it's getting later. It's getting longer and I can't believe that he would abandon me when I need him most. And he seems the furthest away from me just when I need him most. Can I tell you the storm is a setup? The storm is the backdrop. Yeah. 
We like to make the storm the focal point of the story. The storm was never the focal point. The focal point was Jesus and his disciples and them going to the other side because they had great things to do on the other side. But the storm came up out of nowhere, uh, supposedly, amen, and they were, they were uh, in the storm, but it was never meant to be the focal point. It was the backdrop. It was the canvas on which the story was going to be painted. Amen. It was not the focal point of the story, no more than the lack of food was the focal point for the multitude. Jesus used the lack of food to finish a beautiful story of his miraculous provision. Jesus was wanting to use the storm as the backdrop of his miraculous appearance in the middle of the storm. purpose of the storm was to set them up for a revelation of him. They hadn't seen to this point. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. There are three powerful revelations in this verse to keep in mind. And they've been on the sea since at least yesterday afternoon because he sent them away in the afternoon evening time. And it wasn't until the fourth watch that Jesus showed up because Jesus was praying into the evening. And the Bible says that it was in the fourth watch. Anyone know what time the fourth watch is? You must work that shift. <laughs> 3 to 6 a.m. When everyone else is sleeping. When everything else is laid to rest. When everything else is supposed to be calm. They find themselves in the middle of their harshest storm. They're wondering where Jesus is. Have you ever caught yourself uh, looking around and saying, everyone else has got everything else taken care of, but I'm in this storm. I've got this thing going on. It's 3 to 6 a.m. when I should be asleep, when I should be at peace, when I should be resting right now. Amen. I'm fighting for my life. I'm in a dark place. I'm in a storm. I'm in a place where waves are beating against me. Amen. And I don't understand what's going on. Where is God? First revelation of the storm is that he shows up right on time. Amen. It was the Worst time in their mind, but it was God's right on time moment. 3 to 6 a.m. was dark, and it was lonely, and it was uh, confusing, but for God, it was just right on time. He could have come earlier. He could have said, oh, I sense my disciples are in trouble. I better get to them. But he spent his time in prayer so that when he got to them, he was able to do something about their situation. It was their darkest and longest hour. He didn't get there early and he didn't get there late. But his timing was perfect because it produced revelation. Hear me, they were never going to die. 
They were never going to go under because they were sailing on the Word of God. They were crossing on the promise of God that says, you guys go ahead and I'll be there in a few. Well, God's few doesn't measure up to our time measurements. Don't let the devil lie to you and say, where's your God? You're going under. The whole purpose Jesus waited to come late in their estimation was so that he could reveal himself to them as the storm walker. He didn't come walking on the placid lake. He didn't come walking, amen, in the sunset hour when they were enjoying the sunset cruise. No, he chose this time because he wanted to open their eyes and their understanding. He wanted to use this time to draw them closer to himself and not push them away. It was the perfect time because Jesus Delay was not denial. It was always painted into the backdrop to bring glory to God. He wanted the disciples to walk away from this experience knowing that it was God who showed up right on time. It was God who knows uh, right when they need him most. Uh, Amen. Because they were going to need this revelation after Jesus ascended uh, and they carried on their earthly ministry. They had to know that Jesus was a right on time God. Somebody in this house, uh, God is trying to show you something. Uh, Amen. Don't think you're going under. You can't go under because you're in his hands. Uh, Amen. You're in relationship with him. Uh, Amen. The devil would lie to you and say, where's your God? Uh, If he was really concerned, he would have showed up by now. But God is not late uh, and he's not early, but he's right on time. I don't know how he does it and why he does it, except for he wants to give us revelation. Every temptation he makes a way of escape. Every test, every trial has a moment when it could go either way. But if you'll just keep rowing, when you don't understand, if you'll just keep going when the storm is blowing, when you'll just keep going when your mind is trying to play tricks on you, when the devil's trying to talk to you, you need to keep on going on. You need to keep on pressing on because Jesus is about to show up and you may think he's late, but he's right on time so he can bring you a revelation that will last a lifetime. fourth watch the storm, the trial, the delay never meant to be the focal point only there to enhance the scene he showed up in the fourth watch you know four in the Bible means completion and rest What does that mean? That means that right in the middle of your trouble, completion and rest 
shows up. Yeah. Colossians 2.10 says, You are complete in Him, the head of all principality and power. You wouldn't be complete without some tests. You wouldn't be complete without revelation. Amen. You wouldn't be complete without some difficulty to overcome. Amen. Pity the person that goes out into life and they think it's rose-colored glasses and the first little sign of opposition takes their feet out from under them because they haven't been exposed to any trials and difficulties and they got a rude awakening coming amen and we have a rude awakening coming if we think walking with God is just this walk through the roses and this uh, little garden experience where all the flowers are blooming and pretty and and when the butterflies are landing and everything's cute uh, amen there are some dark nights and there are some storms there are some times uh, when you're going to say where in the world is my God where in the world is this God they preach about where in the world is this God they sing about. I need the waymaker to show up about now. Amen. I need him to work while I'm not watching about right now. And he is doing just what he said he would do. But if he shows up early, you're not complete. And if he shows up late, you're not complete. But if he shows up right on time, you're complete. It was in the fourth watch. He showed up in the Old Testament as the fourth man in the fire. In the middle of the fire. Amen. Not in the beginning. Not there to smite the soldiers as they threw the three Hebrew boys in the furnace. That would be what we would want. Here he comes to save the day. If he was really God, he would not let us get in this furnace. If he was really God and cared about us, why would he let us even be uh, threatened by these people. Lord, show up and send a lightning bolt. No, you can act like you don't pray that way, but I know, because I pray that way. If God zapped everyone we wanted zapped, there wouldn't be very many people here. That's why God doesn't let us have power to the switch. Because you'd been zapped too because somebody was praying that you get zapped. You wouldn't have been around to zap them. Well, hallelujah, I feel a breaking out in here. But God doesn't let us in control of that. He says, I'm going to let you go through some things to perfect you, to give you a revelation of myself. I'm going to show up in the fire with you, but I'm going to let you get in the fire first. Do I have any former furnace walkers in the house? Amen. You can say, I, I was hoping he was going to show up before they threw me in, but I had to actually go ahead and get in. Amen. I had to actually begin to go through some situations. Uh, and then it was then that God showed up uh, as the fourth man in the fire. It was then that he showed up uh, in the fourth hour of the watch. 
Amen. Fourth commandment. You know what the fourth commandment is? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. What's the Sabbath? Rest. Four means rest. Jesus showed up in their storm to give them rest. Oh, if we could just catch this revelation. He's never late and he's never early, but he's right on time. And that should give us such rest in our spirit that God is a God of precision. Outside of him, there is no rest. Outside of him, you are incomplete. He could have showed up at any time, but it makes sure that we know Jesus showed up in the fourth watch. The second revelation is he went to them. You know why he went to them? They couldn't get to him. The revelation is this. When you are overwhelmed, David didn't say, tell God to come to me. He said, lead me to the rock. He said, I got to know that the Lord is with me. And, and this time Jesus comes to them on the water and uh, they couldn't get to him. So he went to them to prove that he knew where they were. And I just feel like the Lord is saying to somebody today, amen, even when you don't understand where I am, you can sound like Job in your prayers and say, I looked behind me and I couldn't see him. I looked to my right, I didn't perceive him. I looked to my left and I didn't see him working everything out. I can't even see him in front of me, but he knows the way that I take. Amen, it's not so important today that you know where God is, but it's very important that I know that he knows where I am. You don't have to know where God is. Just trust that he knows where you are. In the middle of the sea, in the middle of a storm, in the dark night. I'm not talking about GPS system. I'm not talking about they had a big searchlight. Uh, they didn't have a strobe going. It was pitch black in the middle of the night. There was no moonlight. There were no stars. Why? Because there was a storm going on. He walked right to them. Somebody hear that today. He's not hoping he knows and can find you. He walked right in here this morning and he's walking right to someone. He says, I know you're in a storm today, but don't you worry. I know exactly where you are at. I'm not showing up late and I know where you are. I know exactly how to get to you. went right to them. No light. It doesn't matter how lost, how alone, how forgotten you might feel. He knows right where each one of us are. I don't know about you, but I have found in my walk with God that isolation is always a sign of 
for revelation. Instead of bemoaning and saying, where in the world's God? Why would he let me feel alone? Well, because he's about to show himself to you in a way that you don't know him yet. And you're going to have to trust that he knows right where you are. Isolation is a setup for revelation. God's about to show you something about himself that you don't know yet. Just because we don't know where we are doesn't mean he has lost track. Anybody ever had your kids run off on you in Walmart? Hide in the racks. It's all fun and games until you decide to be real quiet. And they start calling your name. You don't have to do this once or twice. And they think you're gone. Hiding's over. It's time to get serious. Now, who doesn't know where who is? You didn't leave them. You just chose to go silent for a moment so that they could recalibrate their dependence on you. God hasn't left you. He hasn't abandoned us. He knows where we are when we don't know where we are. I wish somebody could hear this this morning. God has not lost track of you. He knows exactly which rack you're hiding in because he's letting you mature and he's going to reveal himself to us as the great father who knows exactly the way that we take. We are not lost. We are just learning to depend on him. He hasn't lost you. If he allowed you to be in it, he won't lose you in it. I said, if he allowed you to be in it, he will not lose you in it. The third revelation is this. Jesus came walking on the very thing that was trying to swallow them. Yeah, he used their problem as a platform. What's your problem today? Stop viewing it as the thing that's going to take us under. It's the thing that's going to take you over. It's a platform for the Lord to show up and work in your family and in your life and in your life and your situation 
It's trying to swallow you, but he used their problem as a platform and he showed up walking on their trouble and your trial and your storm, your situation is no more than a platform for Jesus to show up and reveal himself to you. Amen. There are people in this house who have been through all kinds of hell on earth, but you kept on walking. And as you look back, it was not just a trial. It was a platform for Jesus to show up and show himself as your healer as your provider, as your mender, as your mind soother, amen, as whatever you needed him to be. He used the very thing that was tormenting you to begin to comfort you and to take you through and build you up and cause you to become something you never could have been without it. It's a platform for the Lord to show up and reveal himself to you. Jesus could have come in another ship. He could have come in another boat, but you know what they would have said? Oh, look, we've got a, we've got a boat to come save us. The Lord doesn't want something false getting the glory for saving you. That's why he comes walking on the thing that you think can take you out. But Jesus comes with his footprint on every wave to show you that no matter how big you think the wave is, no matter how strong you think the wind is, no matter how... Uh, uh, defining and, and depleting the storm looks, uh, amen, you are going to be victorious uh, because I'm walking on the thing that is threatening you. Could have showed up on the other side. What took you guys so long? Breakfast is getting cold. He didn't come on a ship. He didn't go to the other side. He came right to where they were. And he came walking on the very thing that they thought was going to take him out. You know why he did that? Because he wanted them to know he had power over their greatest obstacle. got a sickness in your body, the devil says it's going to take you out. This thing's going to be the thing that takes you under. Yeah? Could be. But I'm not quitting. I'm trusting that Jesus is about to show up on this thing that's threatening me. Got a financial situation? Don't stop. Trust him. He's about to show up. If you honor him, he's in control of the storm. He's not late. He's not early. He's trying to give you a revelation that he's the provider, even when it looks like 
It's bigger than you can handle. You know why he let it get bigger than you can handle? It's so he could be the one that gets the glory. He came. Yeah, he gave them power over their greatest obstacle. He didn't want them to trust in a boat. But him. If you're not careful, you'll miss him. He shows up in the thing that's trying to bring fear into your mind and heart. The Bible says when they saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. How can you be troubled when the answer is showing up? I would have been so relieved to see Jesus. But they thought they, their mind was so deceived. That they saw Jesus as a spirit, not a good one. Be careful what the enemy starts causing you to see in your storm and in your test. They said, it's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. When they should have been praising, they were crying. When they should have been filled with faith... They were filled with fear. That's what a storm can do to you if you don't get the revelation of what God is trying to do through the storm. Jesus said, peace unto you. Be of good cheer. It is me. Do not be afraid. I've come to somebody. It may be 1, 10, 15, or 200. I don't know. But somebody needs to hear the word of the Lord today. Peace be to you. Be of good courage. It is I. Be not afraid. You could have cried out even yet this morning about a situation and said, I don't see a way through it. I don't know how I'm going to get through the situation. But the Lord says, peace. I'm showing up right when you thought I was nowhere to be found. And I want to give you revelation in the situation that I am here. When you think it's the least Appropriate time for me to show up. Peter, thank God for Peter. You know what? They all saw Jesus walking on the water. But only Peter said this. Lord, if that's you, let me come. Jesus said, come. Why do we think we have to be so perfect and so full of faith? You know what? You're, if you're in a storm this morning, your faith's rattled a little bit. And God's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for people that can recognize Him through the wind and the waves. Eyes blurry from tears. Half of it tears and half of it's seawater. Amen. You're just doing your best to make heads or tails of what's going on and you see something and you're not even sure if it's the Lord but you say you know what I'm going to not miss my opportunity and he said Jesus if that's you let me come to you and a voice cried back to him come one word and that's what's coming out of this house today the Lord is saying to somebody you may be filled with a half doubt half faith and you're shaken amen and your faith 
faith. But God is saying, I don't care. I'm walking right to where you are so you'll get a revelation that I care about you and I know where you are. Come, if you've got enough faith to call out to me, come, amen. It's enough, it'll work. The Bible says that Peter climbed down out. Took effort. Took a decision. He began to walk on the water to Jesus because he became what he was looking at. He was looking at Jesus. And he climbed down out of the ship and began to walk on Jesus and walk on the very same thing that Jesus was walking on and walked on the very same thing that was trying to take them under. And the Bible says that when he saw the wind and he saw the waves, he was afraid. And because of his fear, he began to sink and he cried, Lord, save me. Here's where we all start criticizing Peter. You believe Peter just got out there and started to sink? Jesus had to save him? The Bible says that when he began to sink, that immediately, everyone say immediately, God's not playing a game with you. Immediately, when Peter began to sink, He reached out and grabbed him, caught him, the Bible says. And he said, oh, thou of little faith, why did you doubt? See, that's the part we jump on. Little faith, can't believe he just been with Jesus and here we are going through our storms and Jesus comes walking to us and we're... Jesus, is that you? Get out and start walking to the Lord. And we're walking on the thing that should be taking us under. But maybe something just comes along and a little voice comes. uh, And we start paying attention to that voice a little more than we should. uh, And we're taking our eyes off Jesus. uh, Amen. And we start to sink a little bit. uh, And Jesus, uh, in his mercy and his grace, reaches out and catches us and brings us to him. You know what? Have you ever considered this, uh, that immediately Jesus reached out and caught him? I wonder how far Peter had walked on water to get close enough to Jesus that he could just reach out and take him by the hand. That means he had been walking a little ways uh, because he could barely see Jesus. And he said, Jesus, is that you? And he said, it's me, come. And he got out of the ship and started walking to Jesus. And the Bible says when he saw the waves, I think he's uh, walking on it and he's amazed. Anybody ever tried it? Out there tubing, or like. <laughs> Go ahead and make fun of Peter all you want to. Peter walked on that water, and he got to where Jesus was. 
And Jesus reached him. I don't believe, you can believe what you want. I don't believe Jesus was rebuking him. I believe he was saying, Peter, you, you were two steps from me. How could you have a little faith when you were already doing what I said you could do? You were already walking on your storm. You were already walking on the thing that was trying to take you under. Don't stop now. You're right to where I'm trying to get you. You're right to where you need to be in me. Don't let it overwhelm you now. Don't throw in the towel now. Keep taking a step, Peter. You're right to where I need you to be. I love it because Peter was saying, I don't have to stay confined to my trouble. I wish somebody would say to yourself today that Jesus said, come. And if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out walking. I'm going to go out walking on water. I'm not going to be confined to this ship this trial, this trouble, I'm not going to let it define me, but I'm going to get out of it and walk on my insecurities, walk on my doubts, walk on my trial. Use it as a platform for my next revelation. The worst you can do is be caught by Jesus. I wish somebody would hear me today. The worst you can do is be caught by Jesus. You're not going under. He's not letting you go under. Everyone knows it's possible for Jesus to walk on water, but very few people see themselves as a storm walker. When they came to the ship, verse 32 says, the storm ceased. Isn't it amazing that Jesus at any moment could have caused the storm to cease, but he, he didn't let it calm down until they got back to the ship. In other words, Peter, okay, I caught you. Now let's walk on this together. Because I'm not going to penalize you for trying. It's like a kid that falls off the bike. The best time to try it again is while their knee's bleeding. Because they need to overcome their fear right when they had the courage to try. The Lord picks us up in the middle of our trying and he says, I'm not going to scold you for trying. I'm going to pick you up and walk with you. And we're going through this together. You're not going under, Peter. You're going back. Amen. And when you get back, you're going to have a testimony to tell. Mm -hmm. When they came to the ship, The Bible says that they began to worship him and say, truly, you are the son of God. I 
My question is this. Why did they not already have that revelation? You mean he wasn't the son of God when he fed 20,000 people with a few crumbs? But it was in the middle of that storm that they got a revelation. Ah, our eyes have been opened that you really are the son of God. You really are God robed in flesh. You really are the one that can do anything. They had just witnessed 20,000 people being fed. Amen. But they got the revelation when it became personal. Hello. This is why we all must have some storms. Because it's easy to miss God when he's feeding other people and performing miracles for other people. But when it's you needing a miracle, when it's you needing caught, when it's you needing, amen, God to take care of your storm, amen, that's a different story because it becomes personal then. Yeah. Feeding of the men and children and the women wasn't their storm. It wasn't their trial. They didn't get a deep revelation because they weren't the one needing a miracle. It wasn't until he showed up in the midst of their trial. If you've asked God, where are you? Why do I have to go through this? The answer is because it's one thing when I feed someone else. But it's an entirely different thing when I feed you. When I catch you. When it's your ship in the middle of the sea. When it's you in the dark place. When it's you not knowing the outcome. When it's you in the fourth watch. When it's you looking at your watch and your clock saying, God's late. Where is he? Why would he let me go under? Why would he let me struggle? Because he's trying to reveal in the storm that he's never late. That he knows right where you are. And then he comes walking to you. Can I remind you it's not about the storm. It's about you seeing him like you've never seen him before. He's looking for a Peter who will override their fear and say, the storm is just a platform. My trial is just there to elevate Jesus in my sight. Hmm. For everyone that wants to criticize Peter for sinking, remember this. 
Jesus said to Peter, O ye of little faith. But he didn't say this, O ye of no faith. Those with no faith never left the ship. And I believe that's why Jesus walked back to the boat with Peter. He was showing them, guys, I want to show you a revelation. That you can do more with little faith than you'll ever accomplish with no faith. You may be in this house today going through a storm. And fear and anxiety and misunderstanding and no revelation would cause you to stay in the boat. But I want to challenge somebody. You'll never get anything in that boat. They got a revelation. But it was not near what Peter got. Because he climbed down out of his limitation and walked to where Jesus was. And he says, I am not sure if I can do this, but I'm going to get down and try it. A little faith produced a revelation that the others didn't receive. If there's a Peter here today that's willing to exercise your faith that you do have, I know that the wind might be blowing and the storm might be raging. But Jesus is right here in the middle of where you are. And he says to somebody, I dare you to have a little faith today. You can say what you want today. I think that we kind of miss it sometimes. Thinking that if I don't have unbelievable faith, then I exempt myself from God doing anything. And we do have great examples of great faith. But really, if you go through the Word of God, People that were going through tests and trials. It wasn't about how great their faith was. It was about how desperate their faith was. I know what it is to go through trials. You know what it is to go through trials. And when you go through trials, amen, it is then that your faith is stretched. I'll tell you when we have great faith is on the other side of the test. On the other side of the feeding of the 20,000. On the other side of Jesus showing up in the middle of the sea. But when we're in the middle of the sea and in the darkness of the night and the wind and the waves, it's hard to have great faith. It's just a little bit easier to say, God, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I'm just going to keep on trusting you. I'm going to keep on coming to the altar when I don't see the fulfillment of everything. I'm just going to keep on stepping out on the little bit of faith I do have and leave the rest to you because you've proven to me over and over and over that you know where I am and that you're working on my behalf and I am complete in you. 
Oh, is there anybody here with a little faith today? Amen. It's going to produce a revelation in you. Amen. It's going to produce revelation in your situation. Is there a Peter here today that's willing to exercise faith that you do have? What are you talking about? I'm talking about faith that says this. I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to take a chance on... Not me. I know that he'll show up. He's, if he's not here, he's walking toward me. If he hasn't manifest yet, he's somewhere. He's somewhere close to my ship. He's, I may not be able to see where he's at, but he, he knows where we are.